Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's a very special episode 22. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Chad Owen, this time in full HD video. Live and in video. How many platforms are we streaming on today, Mike? It is mind-boggling, man. I, I'm just trying to keep up with all these tabs. Like a, Every time I open a tab, it's like there's more video jumping out of the internet and it's a view of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to say thank you, Mike, for pushing us into the future here as we're streaming live on, I believe it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope all at once while we record today's show. Yeah, it's really exciting to take the show to the next level. And we really do want to thank all of our listeners. We're approaching a very special milestone. We're almost, almost at 10,000 listens uh, for the show, which is pretty exciting stuff. And um, Chad, I'm, I'm blown away by how much positive feedback I've been getting about the show over the last six months. How's it been for you? Yeah, it's it's fun. You know, every time I bump into a friend that's a listener, um, they want to know, you know, what's what's next, you know, which shows are, are on the docket and, um, you know, have fun kind of talking about the subject, you know, whether that's, you know, talking about the Super Bowl and the Patriots uh, in relationship to our episode on Bill Belichick or um, there's so many announcements coming from Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, you know, keeping up with those two is uh, is a job in and of itself. Yeah, I, I think these guys are just uh, really prolific. And before we get to our very prolific uh, feature guest uh, on the show today, we've got to remind everyone that if you want to get audio or video of the show, you can get all of that from moonshots.io. We also do a pretty good job of pulling together all of the show notes, all the uh, important information. We often are talking about great books. And Chad, you know, we loved your book recommends, and so I hope you get some time over the next few weeks to put away a few good innovation biographies so you can inspire us, huh? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I read a lot, um, and adding more books to my, to my list is, is hard sometimes. But yeah, I think um, some of the subjects that we're looking at for the next couple of shows have some books out, uh, so I'll, I'll have to move them to the top of my reading pile. Do that because we love your book recommends. And what I would say also to the audience is don't forget my little tip on using InstaRead or Blinkist where you get book summaries, both in audio, video, visual form. Um, these are really smart ways of sort of getting to the crux of a book without having to, to spend days or weeks uh, reading it. So mm -hmm. I love those uh, services. My pick is InstaRead. Uh, you know, I love it because when people say, hey, have you read this? It's great. Um, I can just search it up on InstaRead and uh, in 30 minutes, I've got the whole idea of the book. So you'll get all that information from, from moonshots.io and stay tuned because whilst we're going to be decoding another innovation guru, we've got some really exciting news and announcements about future shows. Um, so stay tuned for that. And Chad, we're going to go on a roller coaster today. So who have we got coming on the show today? Yeah. So we've kind of been holding on to this uh, person for some time now. You might be wondering, oh, you know, when are they going to talk about Facebook? Well, today we're going to talk about Facebook. We've chosen Mark Zuckerberg and some really interesting news clips, uh, quotes and interviews from him. And a really fun one towards towards the end of the show too. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to see how Mark fits, you know, with all of the other disruptors and innovators that we've profiled so far on the show. Yeah, I agree, Chad. And and you know, Zuckerberg is a really interesting character. He was obviously incredibly young uh, when he was thrust onto onto the stage of of global media and. I could just imagine, you know, if I had been at the center of the world's media universe at such a young age, I think he's done an admirable job of actually growing and becoming a, like, a man during the whole process while the world is looking at you. I mean, that's a kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and I think it's kind of coming back to him now, you know, with 
all of the heat that Facebook is getting with regards to its handling of, you know, outside foreign agents and, and, you know, uh, how to combat trolls. And, you know, I think it's, it's more timely than ever to, to talk about him and, and what he's been doing at Facebook and, yeah. and some of the lessons that he's learned while working and growing a company like Facebook. I think my favorite thing about Mark is that I can see him growing into a leader like Fred Smith. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. he's a founder CEO that has stuck with the company for a very long time and has committed himself. He's pretty much said that Facebook is going to be his life's work. And so I'm very interested to see like, what will the Mark Zuckerberg 20, 25 years from now be like when he has 40 or 45 years of experience under his belt yeah. at a company like Facebook? So that's what's really uh, fascinating and intriguing to me. Yeah. And what's amazing to think of right now is the scale of Facebook. So here are some stats. Are you ready? Two billion active monthly users. Two billion. Ted, what what's the number for worldwide population? It's like only seven or eight billion, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much. He's got a quarter of the planet. Know, exactly. Right. Exactly. And um, there's been over a trillion uh, likes. The the service is available in a hundred and one languages. There are sixty five million business pages. And, you know, the crazy thing is about this service is most of the users come back daily. I mean, there has... Hourly. They come back hourly, Mike. I don't know about you, but it seems like everyone around me here in New York City is on their phones, either on Facebook or Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. That's right. And and so um, it's it's gone from being a sort of a, a neat, uh, fun social network i think it's become like a utility it's like gmail right it is pervasive it's ubiquitous and all to think that this was started just only are you ready 14 years ago and they Mm -hmm. have 2 billion active customers every month that is unrivaled in history for the the scaling of a service and now we've got the opportunity to dig in and look at what the founder and the creator has learned. Uh, there's been so many amazing events in the history. You remember the, what, what's those two twins that had the lawsuit with Zuckerberg? Do you remember that? Winklevoss? Uh, the Winklevoss. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's them. There's the acquisition attempt by Yahoo, which sent the sent Facebook into a spiral. There's so many things. There was the time he was on Recode wearing his hoodie and he was getting too hot mm-hmm. and sweaty. I mean, what an epic story, and we get to dig into it. So uh, I, I can't wait, Chad. Yeah, we've got just a fun kind of intro clip. It, it Facebook is moving so fast that the clip is already a little outdated, but here's just a fun kind of current events clip getting us up to date on what Facebook has been up to. In just eight years, Mark Zuckerberg has gone from college student to multi-billionaire. I would say to Mark Zuckerberg today, you are a defining entrepreneur. You're one of the, the top 10 entrepreneurs who has ever existed. Zuckerberg's brainchild, Facebook, has found its way into the personal lives of 800 million people. When you put technology behind the power of who we are as people, the world changes. That is the power of what we do. Once in a while, a business comes along that defines an era by doing something very new and very big. In this case, changing the way hundreds of millions of people talk to each other. If you go back, most people in the world had no voice or they had no podium where they could share things, but now everyone does. He's right. Even the Queen is on Facebook, as well as one in eight of the whole human race. It's phenomenally powerful, but the biggest issue for Facebook is it becomes too popular. Zuckerberg's creation has produced lawsuits and accusations of privacy invasion while building one of the world's most valuable businesses. I don't think it's crazy at all to say Facebook will be worth $100 billion. Facebook is hot. Facebook's advertising machine uses the detailed personal information its users have given it. But that may be just the start of its money-making potential. Any business that they want to get into at this point, they will dominate. And so there you have it. it. It's actually one in four people now, right, Mike? <laughs> Not just one in eight people that, that are on the service. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's ridiculous, ridiculous scale, and without doubt, um, you don't get to be so big and so successful without lots of challenges and without um, lots of obstacles. And I think this was something that we've discovered with all of the entrepreneurs, all of the innovators we've looked at. It's almost, it's a rite of passage. You have to climb uh, the mountain. And we've got a number of great clips that we can share with you now, which gives us an insight into the challenges that Zuckerberg faced, not only in creating Facebook, but also really uh, the challenges that he faces now. So let's have a listen to Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg's personal challenges have included learning Mandarin, visiting every U.S. state, and building an AI personal assistant. But this year, his challenge isn't about self-improvement, but rather fixing Facebook. Zuckerberg writing on Facebook, of course, quote, Facebook is a lot of work to do, whether it's protecting our community from abuse and hate, defending against interference by nation states, or making sure that the time spent on Facebook is time well spent. My personal challenge for 2018 is to focus on fixing these important issues. We won't prevent all mistakes or abuse, but we currently make too many errors in forcing our policies and preventing misuse of our tools. If we're successful this year, then we'll end 2018 on a much better trajectory. Zuckerberg saying that he'll gather experts to help work on topics such as whether technology is a decentralizing or centralizing force and to better understand trends like encryption and cryptocurrency and what they mean for Facebook and Zuckerberg's vision. And one thing that Zuckerberg doesn't need to fix is Facebook stock. It's up over 50% in the past year. Yeah, uh, the performance of Facebook really does speak for itself. But it's interesting to hear how he's chosen to fix the platform as his one thing that he wants to fix here in 2018. And I alluded to this earlier. I think it's really his, not realization, because I think he's known this for a long time, but him owning up to the influence and impact that Facebook has I think he tried to he tried to say that oh well you know Facebook is just you know this platform that's out there and it can't really make that big of a difference yeah. and he's kind of eating his foot now because I think Facebook does share a lot of the responsibility for the way people and maybe even you know state actors are using the platform uh to influence things and so mm. I'd be really curious to see what changes he decides to make and the impact that that will have on their business model and, you know, how that affects both attention and eyeballs and then the, the advertising revenues that they're able to charge uh, for that attention. Yeah, well, you get right to the heart of it there. And I think that the, the, the most important thing in sort of steering Facebook for Zuckerberg is that he has to create a service which is rich and engaging and highly personalized for you, the audience, but at the meanwhile, then provide that profile to advertisers. Mm -hmm. And it's such a precarious uh, uh, situation. And then with the introduction of third parties coming onto the platform and all the issues that they have right now, what, what do you think he is how do you think he's trying to gear up to address this? Because he's gone from this cool app in a dorm room and they enjoyed all this scale for, for over 10 years. And now it's akin to the responsibility of somebody who's running a utility service, um, providing 2 billion people on the planet a service. Now he's exposed to all these different issues. How, how do you think uh, someone adjust to that huge shift from being like a cool kind of growth hacking kind of a guy to, oh my gosh, I've got this empire of 2 billion customers, which is, you know, now subject to all these forces that he couldn't even have dreamt of. How do you manage that? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> is the answer. Um, but I think it's just foreshadowing of what's to come for, you know, these big platforms like yes. Amazon and Google yes. and Facebook. I think you know, they're coming after Mark and Facebook first because of the, you know, politicized nature of what happened in the American 2016 election. But Google and Amazon have just as large or even larger platforms in certain in certain industries in certain realms. And I think that it's going to be the most interesting policy decision, you know, I think uh, around how these companies 
are are regulated or not regulated by both the US and the EU and other systems that have already, you know, yep. kind of been exploring antitrust uh, types of actions and and those sorts of things. But I honestly don't have 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 an answer on on how to deal with it. But what an epic challenge to face as a founder, going from a dorm room, now you've got 14 years later, 2 billion customers, uh, you're exposed to all these macro, political, economic, social forces. I mean, tough times uh, ahead and dramatically different skill set. So what's really interesting for our listeners, I think, is just how much the leadership role can change over time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Mark never had any idea of, never even thought about many of these issues. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And it's a great reminder to us and to the audience that your role as a leader changes over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have a really interesting clip from Mark as he's talking about his unique perspective as a founder CEO that has been in charge of the company now, like you said, going on 15 years. Just my view of looking through the, the technology industry and its history, um, I think the companies that have done the best have often been led by their founders, right? Or at least extremely early em employees at the company. And um, I, I think that that's because, you know, they uh, often those people um, have a better sense of why the company was created. Um, have a lot of credibility within the company in order to make the decisions that need to be made. The world changes so quickly. So um, being able to guide the company efficiently, I think is an extremely important part of that. Someone showed me an interesting stat once that out of public companies, um, ones that were still run by their founders outperformed others. And I think that, that that would be an interesting thing to look into. I don't, I don't know, you know, obviously there's, it's, that's probably someone can dispute that or um, question what it means, but I, I think that the model of having the person who's guiding the direction of the company um, run the company while being surrounded by a group of really talented people who are effectively managing the company and running its different areas um, is a very good model. You know, but, but no matter what the model is, it's really important to keep in mind that it's never just one person. Right? So in our case, we have just a handful of really great executives, you know, whether it's folks like Sheryl Sandberg, who is our, our chief operating officer, or you know, Mike Schrepfer, our, our head of engineering, who joined us from Mozilla, or um, you know, Chris Cox, our, our head of product, who, who, who has who started off as, as an engineer at Facebook and has built some of the most innovative products here, um, is now our, our head of products. Um, you know, it's it's really it's always a team of folks that um, and and even more than than those that I that I mentioned, um, who really are running the place. Yeah, Mike. Mark brings up this study, and I would love to find the study. I couldn't couldn't find it in research, but he says. You know, companies that are still run by their founders are outperforming companies that aren't. Yeah. Again, going back to, to Fred Smith, he's been running FedEx for over 40 years and mm -hmm. they are killing it out there in the in the goods transportation and in courier services businesses. And yeah. what advantages have you seen founder CEOs in companies that you've worked with or companies that you followed? What kinds of advantages have you seen them have? Uh, look. I, I think it comes down to vision and purpose and drive, determination. Without a doubt, um, what you know is that founders often have this vision that mobilized everybody in the early days. And you notice, like, take Larry and Sergey at, uh, at Google. They let Eric Smith come in for a while and be the CEO, and then they ended up returning as the co-CEOs. I think there is some inherent direction, vision, and leadership that always happens when the founders are driving the business. And uh, what's remarkable is you remember Schultz, the CEO and founder of Starbucks. You remember he went from being the CEO, founder, went to chairman, and then returned. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's like driving force, it's will, it's determination, it, the ability to mobilize people. And I think what's important for our listeners to realize is that Mark Zuckerberg by no means, by no means was CEO material of a company with 2 billion people when he started it in the dorm room, but he's, but he's grown in time. And the other thing uh, that he pointed, he alluded to here was that there's other people involved and I cannot stress enough, Chad, him hiring Cheryl Sandberg to come in as the chief operating officer, mm -hmm. killer move, 
killer leadership play because he's like, I need someone who can run this business, can operate this business so he can do the vision and the long-term stuff. And I think they are like dream team situation. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm betting on those two big time. Yeah, and we actually have a fantastic clip with both of them talking about building culture at Facebook. And you can just hear the experience and perspective that Cheryl Sandberg is bringing into Facebook just in, in this clip as she's, uh, she and Mark are talking, I believe it's to Charlie Rose in this interview. How is your culture, say, different from the culture that you saw at Google? What is the Facebook culture? You know, when I think about this, if you compare Facebook and Google to, you know, most of the world, right, to yep. other companies and other industries, they're actually in some ways incredibly similar. They are founder-led, right. Silicon Valley-based technology right. companies that have broad Driven by engineering. That's right, driven by engineering. They're very similar. Right. In the little Silicon Valley bubble in which we live, they're truly different, totally different. How so? A couple things. One <laughs> is that, you know, Google is fundamentally You're about... You're interested. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in hearing thing. what you'll say as well. <laughs> yeah, but Google is fundamentally about, you know, algorithms and machine learning. Right. And, that, and that has been very important and continues to be very important. They're doing a great job. We start from a totally different place. We start from an individual. Who are you? You know, what, are, what do you want to do? What do you want to share? Mm -hmm. You know, for us, the vision of the world um, is that we are like a hacking culture, and we mean that in the best of ways. We do not mean scary people breaking into your home or anything. Or espionage. Or espionage. What we mean is we build things quickly and ship them. Mm -hmm. So we are not aiming for, you know, perfection that comes over you know years and then we ship a product we don't work on things for years and then ship it we work on things we ship them we get feedback from the people who use it we get feedback from the world we iterate we iterate we iterate we have these great signs around you know done is better than perfect what would you do if you weren't afraid we're very much a, a culture it's the notion of perfect is the enemy of good yeah and a yeah. culture of, of of very very rapid very rapid innovation um, it is it is really different from a culture where you're already taking the web and your primary mission is okay. I want to organize some events right, out right, there. Right. Um, we have this culture where we we place a a really big premium on moving quickly, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the big theories that I had about that was that all technology companies and probably all companies just slow down dramatically as they grow. But if we can focus at every step along the way and moving quicker, then you know maybe when we're when we're around. 2,500 or 3,000 people now. Um, you know, maybe we we move as quickly as you know a company that only has 500 people, right? Because we've invested so much in in building up you know, the infrastructure and tools, and also the culture that tells people to take risks and try things out. And I just think that that ability to to build stuff quicker um, will be a big advantage for us, and will help us build better products over the long term. Oh man, oh, there's man. so much in this clip, Mike. I, I just want to point out some of the numbers. You know, he's saying, oh, you know, we're almost at 3,000 people. That's a company with 3,000 employees that, is inter that has facilitated interactions between 2 billion right. people. Right. And yeah, that, I, to me, that is just incredible. And the other thing that's interesting to me too is, I think Cheryl said this, you know, what would people do if they weren't afraid? Mm. I think a company that actively asks that question of their employees can potentially do some really interesting things. And that's not a phrase that I've ever really heard associated with any other companies, certainly not a company of the size and influence of Facebook. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. I mean, here's what, what I see all the time is that as companies get larger, uh, the risk of going beyond the core business becomes higher because every time you do something new, there's a chance it might fail. But if the big business has become very large, then what happens is culturally the business wants to protect itself. So it's looking to de-risk everything. And this is why so many large companies end up getting into problems such as Blockbuster, Kodak, Nokia, because what actually happens is they become stuck. They become so big, they get paralyzed and they can't move. Mm -hmm. What's really interesting for us to learn about in what Zuckerberg was saying is he's looking to introduce speed and de-risking innovation and doing new things. And you'll notice that they talk a lot about, it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect, just ship it. 
They've got this culture of get stuff out there. And this is great for, um, for our listeners to understand that when you de-risk the environment and you make people feel safe, check in Ed Catmull and Pixar here, mm-hmm. when people feel safe to explore and to do different things, they have the freedom to imagine what's possible without the constraint of, I don't want to make a mistake. And so I think what we can learn from this is it's critical as a business grows to keep challenging the status quo, but in order to really get new thinking and disruptive thinking from the same group of people, there needs to be not only the ability to move fast, but to move without fear, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've we've actually got a really great clip of of Mark kind of elaborating on that insight that you're that you're poking at, Mike, and how you know at least at Facebook you, you you're not getting pu- punished for mistakes that you're making. You have the power to just I mean you can sit down, you can code something, you can try it. You, it doesn't matter to you whether someone thinks it's a good idea or not because you have the power to go put that online and you know and see whether it resonates and connects with people. Stay focused on on the stuff that that you're that you're providing to your users, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. It doesn't matter. You don't get judged by the mistakes. People don't remember those years from now. They remember the things that you did that were good. Yeah, and I see this just as a better s- statement from him uh, instead of, you know, move fast and break things. This mm. is kind of the, the two-sentence version uh, that I think gets at, it, you know, his intention a little bit better. Yeah, and and, um, what you can start to see is a pretty huge insight for anyone trying to build a product, uh, a digital product uh, that exploits this exponential characteristic that you mentioned. You talked about 3,000 employees, yet 2 billion customers. This is what we kind of call exponential characteristics of technology. So when you deploy technology at scale, if it's doing it right, you get these ridiculous ridiculous numbers, 3,000 employees serves 2 billion uh, customers. And you'll remember that uh, Zuckerberg really knows about this because when he bought WhatsApp, I believe they had the highest valuation per employee ever in the history of, of modern business where they had only a few hundred staff, yet they had well over half a billion users when they were acquired by Facebook. So he really gets this. But what's most important for our listeners is that in order to unlock this ourselves, we have to build a company that exploits emerging technologies, work at speed, but create a culture of safety, a culture where it's okay if it's not perfect Mm -hmm. or if you miss. So this moves you more into, hey, not thinking about things as like failing fast, but learning fast. And I think that's the big takeout here. Mm. Yeah, it's, I don't know if this is just the the accretion of all of the shows that we've done and everyone that we've listened to. But I think that Mark Zuckerberg has a lot of, I guess, personality aspects to him kind of from many of the people that we've, that we've spoken about, like I said, Fred Smith, and you just brought up Ed Catmull. I think this also speaks to kind of his customer obsession like Jeff Bezos. Yes. And, you know, I think maybe he's been in trouble by being so customer obsessed. He kind of overlooked, you know, kind of some of these bigger picture aspects of, of, you know, the consequences of what Facebook is doing. But he just says, if you're doing something that the customer wants and you're shipping it and getting feedback from them in a almost real time fashion, then keep doing that. It's okay if you make some mistakes, maybe you break a few things along the way. Yeah. And they they had uh, famously, they attempted to create a mobile operating system, which didn't didn't work. They've had a number of setbacks and so forth. But I think the, the thing to really learn here, they have over 2 billion customers, right? Everybody's on the platform. Um, and what I've noticed is a couple of things, and, and I, I really wanted to just kind of reflect a little bit on how much Facebook has really become like a utility. I've got many friends around the world where emails and cell numbers change, but Facebook, and wait for this, Facebook Messenger, no matter where I am, what platform I'm on, I can always get in touch with friends, no matter where they are on the planet. And it really is quite remarkable that despite this kind of test and learn, they've got a little bit of a shit fast, learn fast, and it's a little bit 
got to hold on and it's a bit, bit of a bumpy ride. The net result, where we are today, is one of the fastest, largest scaling businesses in history. And I think what's really interesting to note is he's not sitting there beating his chest saying, two billion customers, I am the god of hellfire. Actually, what he's saying is, oh, man, I'm kind of in a fix the product year. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that refreshing. It reminds me of when uh, the, the just the recent CEO of Domino's, who's, if I, if, I, if I remember this right, he came out and said, look, our pizzas don't taste good and we're going to fix that. And this led to like a big turnaround effort. I think this ability to be more transparent and say, you know what, in kind of Zuckerberg style, I got to fix a number of things with the products this year. He's not talking about more acquisitions. He's not talking about running for, for president. He's like, no, nah, I'm going back to fixing the product. And I think this is another learning of how you grow a business like Mark Zuckerberg. It seems that he always has the ability to, to catch himself and know where he's at and not be drinking the Kool-Aid too much. In contrast to someone like Travis Kalanick, in a way, I think this... It- is something that sets Mark Zuckerberg apart from him in that before things got in too deep at Facebook, you know, before maybe some of these bad or suboptimal, you know, practices mm-hmm. uh, spread too far, he's like, hold on a minute, right. you know, let's take some stock, let's have an inward focused year this year and really be sure that they get back to the core of the product, which he said, I think even in, you know, the very first interview, that's right. you'd unearthed a, a clip from 2004, where it, it's really just about building your online profile and, and identity and sharing that with as many people as, as, as you want and being able to explore other people's personal identities, you know, not getting caught up in this whole newsfeed thing and how can we push more ads and siloed news content to people. Yeah. You know, I'd be very curious to see how they bring the focus back onto that core product, you know, at the end of this year. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think what we've really learned here is that you don't get this big, you don't get this successful without facing challenges. And I think at the heart of what they've done is they've created kind of a safe culture, a, a culture of curiosity and exploration. Things don't have to be perfect, good enough is fine. And I think that that's enabled them to scale so fast. So that's a huge learning that I think we, we've we not really had the chance in the show until the, today's show with Zuckerberg to really see at the heart of the growth that, let's be honest, all founders and entrepreneurs, right, they all want to grow like Facebook. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who goes grows the courage to start a company who's not sitting there, I want this to go gangbusters. So it's really interesting opportunity for us to understand how he did it. And, and I think at the heart of it was this safety moving at speed. And I think there's, a, there's, there's you know, a ton of other things that we're going to get into. But I wanted to, to ask you, Chad, before we get into all his mental models and his habits and how he sees the world. So we've got tons of stuff coming up. If you've heard this, this, uh, these, these clips and we've discussed them, if you were starting a new company today, what would you be taking from from Zuckerberg and what we've heard so far? What would be the, the if you could just choose one thing to take from Zuckerberg as a lesson, as a guiding light, what would you take in order to like set up a, like a, a, an explosive, fast-growing startup? I think it would have to be the, well, the move fast and break things. I think- with my my spin on it, based on what we've learned here doing the show, of it's it's not about getting things and product out faster. It's about learning things about your customer and your product faster. Right. So, what kinds of tiny experiments and changes can I implement in my day to day and my team's day to day and my company's day to day that can get us to those learnings faster? Mm. And I think that I think maybe Mark had come up with that a little after the fact, you know, after they yeah. were on every college campus, you know, in the country and, and whatnot. But when he looks back and, you know, well, what, 
because he could point to the hacker culture. He's like, oh yeah, well, it was a hacker culture that, yeah. that yep. led us to this, but it's a little more nuanced, nuanced than that. It's like, no, it's actually, we weren't afraid to try these things. We tried them and we learned from them. And then we went back into the code and fixed it. And that's really, I think, what has enabled their their massive growth. Yeah, and this is really different to what we learned from from Joe Gebbia at um, at Airbnb because you really had the impression of how much polish mm-hmm. the design team at Airbnb they polish and they polish and they they really try to to make something beautiful and perfect. What's fascinating is Airbnb has been wildly successful and grown dramatically. Has no competitors. Likewise, Facebook, very similar characteristics, but got there from a completely different way. Rough around the edges, breaking things, sort of a bull in a china shop analogy. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really great. We can see there's more than one road will get you to Rome here. And I think the, the this next part of the show, we're going to see some very specific things that Zuckerberg does in order to create this culture, to move at, at speed. And I really want to, I'm, I'm dying to, I don't know if you, um, if all our listeners know, but Zuckerberg's famous for wearing the same T-shirt all the time. And this is something um, that even Barack Obama only had two suits and many innovators, many really great people have this characteristic of wearing very minimal uh, wardrobe. So we're going to actually uncover the thinking behind that. We're even going to hear him jamming on Bill Gates and hanging out with, uh, with Obama. So there's tons of good things coming up in the show. So stay tuned. And don't forget, uh, not only can you get all the show notes uh, from moonshots.io, but we are now every week. We're live all over the interwebs, Facebook, YouTube. There's new video content. So we're really keen to get everyone's feedback. We want to find out what's your preferred channel to get our live broadcast. So get on the uh, the old uh, moonshots.io, send us your feedback, send us a note on Facebook, wherever you are, we want to hear from you. Yeah, we're uh, we're still learning this whole live stream thing. So you can always get the latest updates on when and where to find us at moonshots.io. And uh, eventually, Mike and I will be able to multitask enough where we could take questions live from you for, from the different platforms and, and hopefully incorporate them into the show. But, uh, you know, we're excited to uh, go on this journey as we you know deliver hopefully more and better insights to you on as many platforms as we can, as we can find to push, push our content out to. Right. So let's let's jump into this uh, this new block of uh, of insights and learnings from from Zuckerberg. Um, we're going to hear Mark Zuckerberg talking about how they create safety and how they think about mistakes. Yeah, you know, I always think that you should start with the problem that you're trying to solve in the world, and not start with um, deciding that you want to build a company. Right. I mean, the best yeah. companies that that get built. Are, are things that are trying to drive some kind of social change, even if it's just local in one place, uh, you know, more than starting out because you want to make a bunch of money or, or have a lot of people working for you or, or build some company in some way. So, you know, I always think that this is kind of a perverse thing about Silicon Valley in a way, really which true. is that, you know, people decide often that they want to start a company before they even decide what they want to do. And that just feels really backwards to me. And you know, for anyone who's had the experience of actually building a company, you know that you go through some really hard things along the way. And I think part of what gets you through that is believing in what you're doing and knowing that what you're doing is is really delivering a lot of value for people. Um, and, and that's, I think, how the best companies end up getting made. Hmm. The interesting thing, uh, aside from relating to what Richard Branson has to say about you know, starting with problems. Hmm. I love how he puts a stake in the ground and says, don't start a company to, for, for company's sake or for money's sake. Yep. You know, yep. start with a problem that you're trying to solve first and then build a company, which is why he's been successful in spite of himself, because he wasn't some bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, sophomore at Harvard that's like, I'm going to start a billion-dollar company. He was just trying to solve the problem of, you know, he and his friends figuring out who 
other interesting or maybe good looking people at Harvard were. <laughs> Who was hot or not? Come on, you say it. The yeah. original product was hot or not, right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> so Tinder before it's time, right? But you know, the mm-hmm. interesting thing here is I think this really helps us understand that this big theme of people who are mission-driven, solving problems that they have experienced themselves. So they see there's a very clear problem with the world and they go out and solve it. And actually the first thing is they are just incredibly motivated to go and solve the problem and then a company ends up being the right vehicle to solve it. Now, this is a theme that Elon Musk talks about a lot. He's like, forget waiting around for the government to get us to the moon or to get us to Mars. That's the job of the enterprise. And the same thing with Richard Branson. Branson is forever saying like, oh, problems are just things that help you in the end by solving them. You can go create a company. And this seems to be this really interesting thing we can learn that entrepreneurs have this mental model that starts with success as an entrepreneur seems to be a mission-driven problem solver Mm -hmm. and that the whole success entrepreneurially seems to be a like a unexpected outcome it's sort of a sort of a a something that gets tacked on at the end right and i think as as people studying this what seems to be the insight for me as I'm thinking this through is is it you don't start with I'm going to build an enormous company I'm going to make lots of money almost you have to put that to the very end is that how you are interpreting Zuckerberg yeah absolutely I, I think this is his unique take kind of amongst the the previous disruptors and innovators we we've talked about so far is his his reflection on 15 years and realizing that that is what made him successful was starting with that seed of an idea of, okay, how do I create an online identity? How do I share it? And how do I see other people's? And then that grew into 2 billion people yes. across the globe using the platform. Yes. Uh, and again, kind of stumbling over himself to build the company, you know, through lawsuits, through, you know, founder breakups and right. eventually it, thankfully, kind of just in time, although he could have done it much sooner, identifying and recruiting a leader like Sheryl Sandberg to really take the reins of the company and you know codify both in operations and in, in culture mm. um, what has made Facebook so successful that maybe you know Mark wasn't able to do on his own inside the company. Mm. You know, as I think about it, one of the things that I've noticed as well, particularly when you hear Bezos and Zuckerberg and Musk, when they're talking about their companies, uh, sometimes they they feel incredibly intense, almost, I would say, like they're like zealots, like they're so almost fanatical about their missions. But I'm starting to understand that I think this is coming from the fact that they are a a problem, a mission-driven problem solver first before they are a CEO. And what I mean by that is they're so compelled by the problem. And you and you see this with Zuckerberg. When he talks about uh, Facebook, it's really intense. But I think because he sees it as more than a business and a way to earn money and create his own personal wealth, I think he truly is very consumed with the mission that they're on. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that he does that kind of helps him live, breathe, sleep, uh, Facebook, right? Yeah, I think the most interesting one, and we've got a clip here for this, there have been lots of studies that have shown that we have a limited amount of decision-making power and willpower. And you'd alluded to his hoodie and his t-shirt and the fact that President Obama only ever had two suits. Yep. Um, Well, here's Mark talking about how important it is to manage that reserve of willpower. It's a very simple question in a way, but it actually speaks to um, how we think about um, our duty to the community here. You know, I really want to clear my life to make it so that I have to make as few decisions as possible about anything except how to best serve this community. And um, there's actually a bunch of psychology theory that even making small decisions around what you wear or what you eat for breakfast or things like that, um, they, they kind of make you tired and consume your energy. And I just, I mean, my, my view is, you know, 
I'm in this really lucky position where I get to wake up every day and help serve more than a billion people, right? Mm-hmm. And and I feel like I'm not doing my job if I spend any of my energy on things that are silly or frivolous about my life. So that way I can dedicate all of my energy towards just building the best products and services and, and helping us um, reach our goal and, and achieve this mission of helping to connect everyone in the world and giving them um, the ability to stay connected with the people that they love and care about. Um, so that's what, what I care about. So even though it kind of sounds silly to, all right, that, that, that's my reason for wearing a gray t-shirt every day, um, it also is true. This is, again, how I think Mark is a little different from some of the other hyper-customer-obsessed leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he's younger and is maybe a little more open to this kind of, almost kind of life-hacking-ness to this, mm-hmm. where, you know, he in kind of a Tim Ferriss way, he's found out, like, if I don't have to choose what I wear in the morning, then I can get started making the tough decisions in my business mm-hmm. instead of having to figure out what I'm eating and what I'm wearing and, and those sorts of things. And I, I think he's realizing the, the accreted value of that over time. Like it, it might only save you one decision or two decisions a day, but if he's making decisions that are affecting billions of people, you know, you want to build up some of those reserves of the decision-making power that you have. Yeah. And, and uh, I really want to, emphasize my personal experience has been very in line with what Zuckerberg says, which is reduce clutter, make as few decisions as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, When we first met, we were working with a guy called Matt Dory and he only wore black, Mm -hmm. right? Remember? Matty only wore black. And he was thinking the same thing and um, props to Matty because it really helped me take something like wardrobe and I have dramatically reduced my wardrobe down to essentially monochromatic black, white, and gray. And it does make life simple. I I literally have my three favorite pairs of shoes and that's it. That's all I wear. I have stripped it down. And I think that decluttering your life, not only in your wardrobe, but in, in all your possessions and things, these all enable to clear your mind. And I really do want to encourage our, our listeners that this is a huge opportunity in life. We acquire so much crap. Excuse my French. We just get so much crap mm-hmm. and stuff is so cheap. Um, just hold back and just focus on experiences, focus on simplifying your life. And it's this release that you get. Like I always have very minimal desktops purposely because I want to calm my mind and I want to focus on the highest value things. And this is ridiculous discipline and structure. Although when you hear him talk about it, Chad, you sort of listen to him and you think, wow, this is so intense. I mean, you kind of hope he's having some fun too, right? Yeah, but I, I think that's the point. He, he has codified the the decisions that don't really make a difference or matter to him very much so that he can do the things and spend the time on the things that he really wants to. Mm. And I, I can just echo what you've said, Mike. And I think what all of us can do is look at some of the things that we're spending a lot of time on that aren't very important and then taking five, 10, 15 minutes, or even an hour or an afternoon to just say, okay, from now on, and you're kind of creating a rule for yourself. It's right. like, you know, if this happens, then I do this. And you write that rule See. down and then you just follow that rule. Yep. So, you know, you may take an hour to make this decision once, but then you never have to make it again. Mm. And so I think, and it could be as simple as wardrobe or what you're eating, but it could even be, you know, how you're doing things in your business mm. um, or how you're hiring someone or how you're delegating. All of those things can be systematized in a way where you front load the kind of decision making and thinking so that it makes it so much easier down the line. And if you're going to build a company of 3000 people that's had the impact of Facebook, you have to you have to do those sorts of things because at some point you just simply don't know everyone's name and you don't know what's going on and you and you have to be freed yes. from having to make all those decisions yourself. Yeah, and I, and I think that uh, as we've seen with guys like Elon, you need enormous, uh, you know, I will, I will take actually Lady Gaga. She's like, you've got to be relentless in the, in the 
chasing of your dreams. You have to be courageous. You have to have this driving force. And I really get the feeling that Zuckerberg has this abundant focus and energy and drive to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't want to uh, to take us too far off track, but I think contrasting Mark and Bill Gates is an interesting exercise in kind of the generational difference between the two and how the times in which they found themselves set each of them up for success in different ways. So here's actually Mark Zuckerberg responding some, to some questions by an interviewer on his thoughts on Bill Gates. There are probably a lot of people who can, who can run Microsoft and do a reasonable job. When I was growing up, Bill Gates was my, my hero. Oh, come on. Yes. He's like Darth Vader. He's not, he's not Luke Skywalker. No. He's the bad guy. No, he is not. Um, Bill Gates ran one of the most mission-driven companies that I can think of. Right. And, you know, right now, I think Microsoft, their mission is less focused than it used to be. But when I was thinking about, you know, what, what I wanted to be when, when I grew up, you know, Microsoft, I thought, had a, had, had a great mission. Put a computer on, on every desktop and in every office, right? Or maybe it was every desktop and every home. Uh, but, and, you know, I mean, there are companies that define themselves by a way of doing things, right? I mean, there's um, them, like the HP way that I was talking about. And there are companies that define themselves by making a concrete change in the world. And, um, you know, Microsoft did that. And I, I, like, I have a huge amount of respect for, for him for doing that. And he pushed them, and it was an incredibly inspiring company um, during the time that, that he was doing that. I think that they're, they still are doing a lot of things, but I think that they've lost some of the focus. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's like one of the, one of the greatest visionaries that our, that our industry has ever had. Hmm. It's high praise from, from Mark. But it's interesting to me that what he latched onto about Bill Gates was that it was a mission-driven company, that it wasn't just about building computers, but it was actually giving the power and infinite possibilities of computers to everyone in their homes and on their desks at school and at work. Exactly. You, you called it, it's the vision was a PC on every desk, right? Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is actually how similar, so how similar they are. So Facebook wants to connect every human on the planet. Mm-hmm. Microsoft wanted to put a PC on every desk. And this is where you see that Zuckerberg in, in many ways is uh, uh, really sort of a new generational version of Bill Gates. And what's quite fascinating is actually how good friends they are. Facebook obviously took an investment from Microsoft way back in the day. They're, they're often uh, doing uh, videos together and hanging out. So I, I think we can draw a lot from that. What's really interesting Gates, though, he achieved this through, you know, our big mantra that we decoded from him was you get what, you, you know, you get what you measure, right? And mm-hmm. he was all about quantifying understandings to see the patterns. What's interesting, however, is Zuckerberg actually has quite a different approach, much more uh, cavalier, I would say. He's like, go for it, move fast, break things, ship product. And you can even hear in in, in Sheryl Sandberg that, She's adopted uh, some of this cultural referencing a- as well. Mm-hmm. But to show you the scale and importance of, of, of Zuckerberg's approach, he's often on the world stage talking with world leaders and visionaries. And what's really exciting is that we've got this great clip coming up where he's actually on stage with, with uh, Barack Obama. And I think what's also exciting is that he's able to, Zuckerberg is able to frame his thinking really into some very powerful thoughts on entrepreneurship. So let's take a moment now to have a listen to Mark Zuckerberg just hanging out with his friend, Barack Obama. Uh, how's Facebook thinking about uh, its own role in creating this platform for uh, entrepreneurship around the world. I know that's something that you've been thinking a lot about. To me, entrepreneurship is about creating change, not just creating companies. And you know, the, the most effective entrepreneurs that who, who I've met care deeply about some mission and some change that they're trying to create. And often they don't even start because they're trying to create a company, right? And you know, that's how how I think about um, you know my connection to to all, all of us here is. When I was getting started, I, um, you know, I wanted, I cared deeply about giving everyone, uh, a voice, 
and giving people the tools to share everything that they cared about and uh, bringing a community together. And you know, it started small and in one university. And I didn't think it was going to be a company at the time. Um, as a matter of fact, I was pretty convinced that at some point someone would build um, something like this for the world. But uh, you know, I thought that that would be some other company that you know already had thousands of engineers and was used to building stuff for hundreds of millions of people around the world. And you know, what ended up happening was. Um, you know, that no one built it, right? So we just kind of kept on going, right? I mean, people said it each step along the way. Um, you know, what you're doing, all right, maybe college students like it, but no one else is going to like it. And, you know, there's not going to be any money in doing this. So, all right, so you only really do it if you care, right? If you're passionate about doing it. And you know, then it started growing, and people said it would be a fad, and it would never be a good business. But, you know, you, you keep going because you care, uh, not because you're, you're trying to create a business. Um, and... You know, then there's the shift to mobile, where people thought that it, it wouldn't be a sustainable business. And, um, you know, it, through each of these things, you, the, the, the entrepreneurs who I think build things that last for a long time keep going because they care fundamentally about the change that they're trying to create in the world. Um, and they're not in it just to, to build a company. You know, it's this deep belief that you're trying to make a change, you're trying to connect people in the world. And I really do believe that if you do something good, and if you help people out, then eventually some portion of that good will come back to you. And you may not know up front what it's going to be, uh, but that's just been the guiding principle for me in the work that we've done. And I hope that some of the work that we do uh, can play a role in empowering you and so many more entrepreneurs to build uh, the next great companies. Excellent. Yeah, I, I love that statement from Mark, it's really kind of his big vision, mm. uh, not only for Facebook, but what he wants to see from young entrepreneurs all across the globe. Yeah. And, and um, whilst he echoed a number of things we had decoded, what I really liked is how, you know, he said, look, the idea really hasn't changed right? We're still on that same mission. And I think that's what keeps you going through all the naysayers, the failed Yahoo acquisition. It goes through his management team leaving. It goes through the, there was this time where everybody thought they had missed mobile. In the end, they just keep going. And what's pretty crazy, Chad, is he's like, well, there's a ton of people who are still not even on the internet so where does that take your mind to? I mean, how do you see Facebook over the next coming 14 years? I mean, wh where does your mind go? Yeah, well, I think for them to continue to conquer the globe, they have to get more people on the internet. So I think that will become a core part hmm. of their business. And, you know, Mark can justify it as, you know, a social cause because he's connecting people. But right. the business reason of why they're doing that is, is that they need more eyeballs <laughs> on the platform. And if they're going to do that, they just need to get them on. But I think this is where someone like Jack Ma has a huge advantage over Mark Zuckerberg mm. because Jack Ma's been raised and grown up and been an entrepreneur in a country that has over a billion people and has scaled its services, Alibaba has scaled its services to most people in the country that has, a, you know, even just an SMS capable cell phone. Mm. And so I think, you know, as we see Facebook and Amazon and Google making big plays outside of the United States and the European Union, um, I think, you know, it would behoove them to learn from Jack Ma and other non-American, non-EU entrepreneurs that right. have kind of already figured it out and, and built very successful businesses in those arenas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you were to compare Zuckerberg to the 20 plus other entrepreneurs that we've decoded, what are your feelings on his most unique characteristics and what are the ones you think he shares a lot with other entrepreneurs? When you, what makes him so special, do you think? I think he's very similar in that he's mission-driven and, mm -hmm. and product-customer-driven, like mm -hmm. so many, of, so many of, of the other entrepreneurs. I think he's probably a bigger risk-taker uh, yes. than most. I mean, I would put him right up there with Richard Branson. And Musk. Um, and Musk. Yeah. Yeah. But he has... He's my age. He, you know, he has that kind of social mission millennial mm -hmm. bent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that I also think makes him very unique. Yeah. Um, but, you know, e even in contra contrast with 
Jack Dorsey, who's also very young, and, and Joe Gebbia and, and, and others that we profiled that are very young. You know, I, I put him more in the camp of like Lady Gaga, you know. Yes, yes. We're all young. Yeah. We're all young, you know, 30-something millennials. <laughs> young and restless. Young and restless. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think that um, moving fast and creating safety, particularly within his tech uh, arena, Obviously, Ed Catmull is, whilst he has a tech bent him, he's largely in the storytelling entertainment business. Mm-hmm. You rarely hear tech guys, tech CEOs, tech leaders talking about the need to create safety and in order for the business to grow. And he seems, I think Zuckerberg seems uniquely aware of trying to keep it feeling like a startup even when it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got this very, um, as you said, very mission-driven, but it's this safety and working at speed, even when you're huge, I think sets him apart. And I think it's also, can you think of any other entrepreneur that we've listened to that's been so tuned into the changing, evolving nature of the company as it grows and, and, and really thinking about those stages and adjusting to them and scaling in the right way. I don't think we have. Not yeah, not to the to the degree that Mark has. No. I mean, look, uh, Amazon, um, maybe Uber became aware of it. Maybe Travis became aware of it a little too late. Mm-hmm. They sort of they they sort of became a you know ten headed beast. And grew out of control, mm-hmm. um, but you don't even hear uh, you don't even hear Bezos with all of this philosophy and thought about scaling and keeping that 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 safety. I mean, that's something that you never hear Bezos talking about. No, no, Jeff Bezos talks more about uh, you know workforce Flywheel. education and well, yeah, but. Uh, but just in terms of kind of the company, you know, yeah. he, he's very big on empowering the employees and educating the employees, and yeah. but not necessarily thinking about it in the way that that Mark has at at Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what a what a great entrepreneur. I mean, I took a lot out of uh, uh, the Zuckerberg um, ideas. I think that this this idea of moving fast and, and safety uh, those were huge ones. For me, and I, and I feel that once again, Zuckerberg, like all the other entrepreneurs, has proven to have these shared values, but his own unique twist, his own unique flavor on uh, how to innovate, how to build a business. I, I think what's really exciting is is to think about the next fourteen years and what Facebook might get up to. Yeah, I, I've kind of made this decision just now, but I would love to go deeper into Facebook. And listen to what Cheryl Sandberg um, has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she, you know she's got uh, several good books out. You, you're mentioning that you wanted to bring the uh, the Chad book reviews back, <laughs> and um, I think it would be interesting to get both Marks and her perspective in kind of a one-two punch to really uh, hopefully get a, a complete picture um, or a better picture of of what's happening inside of Facebook and what we can learn from from the two of them yes. uh, compared and contrasted with each other. Look, and we know the future will be challenging. Without a doubt, they're easily going into their most challenging era uh, because they're just so big now. Like, it's all challenge from now on. Like, there's no, like, mm-hmm. hiding in a in an empty office block in the back of uh, Cupertino or Palo Alto, I mean, or Menlo Park. I mean, these guys are in the centre. I mean, I don't know if you saw that Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, came out earlier this week and said, hey, sort it out, Facebook, or we will, by basically threatening regulation for Facebook. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting how they react and respond because it's going to have a ripple effect for all the other companies that, that we mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. Now, talking about futures, we've got some exciting news happening in the future, Chad. We're going to make our way around the world. We're going to be doing something new with live video and sort of Amsterdam-inspired, but another part of Europe. Give us the news, Chad Owen. Yeah, so March 15th at, I believe, 5 p.m. Eastern European time. Is that the, the right time zone? Sounds pretty close to me. Yeah, in uh, Bucharest, Romania, we'll be talking with three incredible entrepreneurs, connections 
through uh, through Mike and the amazing work that he's been doing with Qualitons there in Bucharest. Why don't you give us a little teaser on who we can expect to uh, hear from on that live show, Mike? Yeah, we've got three uh, entrepreneurs, uh, Two, uh, actually, all of them are founder CEOs. They come with a world of experience. We're going to uh, have all sorts of learnings, uh, not only about innovation and technology, but also how they're productive, how they get through their day. And we're going to talk a lot about how they actually uh, collaborate and work with others and inspire people to, to do great things. So it's going to be a great show. There's going to be a really large audience. Um, so it's going to be full of lots of energy. So you're going to need to bring all your whiz-bang cameras and technology and gadgets, Chad. We're going to need all the technology help we can get. It's going to be a riot. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's partly why we're doing the live show like this, just so I can kind of get it under my belt so that when we're in front of all those people, I it, I know I know what I'm doing. Hey, we rocked it. We rocked it in Amsterdam. So I'm completely confident that we'll we'll tear the house down and uh, we'll we'll get lots of innovation wisdom into the minds, into the hands and the hearts of our, our audience. And so if you would like any more information about the, the live video broadcast and the event in Bucharest, head on down to moonshots.io where you can get all the information uh, on the planet. Now, before we wrap up, Chad, we gotta, we got to jam. we got to think about who is going to be next. We're in the midst of our Silicon Valley founder-CEO run. Uh, we've got a couple. Are there any names coming to mind or you want me to hit you with a list? Well, I already gave you mine, Cheryl. I'm going to do Cheryl Sandberg. Well, you just want to go straight into Cheryl. Yeah, why not? Okay, I'm totally we've already spent already spent this week in Facebook. Let's spend another okay. another week in Facebook. Cheryl Sandberg, it is. That's awesome. She's got a great book. You have to do some reading, Chad. Well, she's got two books. Uh, what's it? Option Option Planning for Option B and Lean In. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize. One was okay. co-authored. The the Option B or Plan B book was co-authored, but yeah, okay. I've got some reading ahead All of right. me. It looks like I got to get into my, my uh, Insta read and, and find out uh, if I've got some Cheryl in there. I bet you I do. That sounds really good. Um, we'll have a couple more of our live video shows for our regular episodes. And then, as you said, middle of March, we will be on tour. We'll be in front of a huge live audience uh, broadcasting to the, the universe. I can't wait. I can't wait to do this, Cheryl. I'm all excited because I hadn't even thought about this. Yeah. Now I'm all excited. So <laughs> thank, thanks for inspiring me on a, on a Friday morning, Chad. Yeah. Well, and I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone that uh, has watched us live. And for those of you listening to us uh, asynchronously, you know, just be on the lookout at moonshots.io for the announcements on our live shows or just follow us on Facebook, uh, moonshots.io. And uh, you'll be able to see the live broadcast there and you can find us on YouTube, Twitch and Periscope as well. So there's plenty of places to find us on uh, on the web live streaming. And, um, you know, if you have any feedback on the format or just want to say hi, or if you have show sh- suggestions, uh, you can email us at hello at moonshots.io. And um, Mike and I love getting all of that feedback from you, the listener or now viewers um, and, you know, we really appreciate it. <laughs> That's so true. Well said, Chad Owen. I think we've got to that famous point in the show where we can say goodbye from Brooklyn, New York, USA, and Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Thank you, everybody, for dialing in. Remember to check us out at moonshots.io and tune in for our next show where we dive into the world of Cheryl Sanderberg from Facebook and author of all sorts of good things. So once again, thank you from the team here at the Moonshots Podcast. That's a wrap.